Good morning. Welcome to the Church of the Palms. My name is Jenna Clark, and I serve as a shepherding deacon in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Like a skilled potter, O oh God, you have shaped each one of us as a unique design. You know us better than we know ourselves. You value us more highly than we can imagine. You weep when we are marred or broken through our own misdeeds or the world, world's cruelty. We gather now to assemble our prayers for one another and all the world's people in a chorus of devotion. Hear us, gracious God, amen. Now, as we worship together, may our hearts receive his Holy Spirit our ears listen to his word, and our voices be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yea, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Let us worship God.
How often have we turned our backs when we could embrace, remain silent when we could speak, speak when we should have listened, close the door when we could have flung it wide open, judge when we should have sought understanding, cling to what we could have given. So let us offer to God what lies heavily on our hearts this morning as we confess our sins. Awesome God, we confess that we have become slaves to our own narrow self-interest. We pay more attention to our possessions than to you. We try to hide from your all-seeing eye, for we are guilty of devotion to false gods. We are attracted to wicked advice and sinful pursuits that direct our steps away from you. We act without thinking or planning or consulting with you. Oh God, show us the way to a better life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us. Christ rose for us. Christ reigns in power for us. Christ prays for us. Anyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The old life has gone, a new life has begun. So friends, believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Now let us share together those historic words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the forgiveness of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now on this beautiful morning, let's share some greetings with one another.
Good morning. Welcome to worship here at Church of the Palms. We are grateful to have sun in the sky. That's a good thing. And we're grateful that we were spared uh, much of the ravage of the recent storm. And we pray for those who are still within its path. We uh, encourage you to fill out the friendship pads in the pews and pass those along to your neighbor. And we hope that you will note those folks who are sitting near you. And uh, it is a beautiful day to go out and enjoy some fellowship afterwards. So please. Uh, feel free to do so and enjoy some time underneath the shade of the tree. We uh, want to call your attention to a few things. We uh, have a new welcome center. We mentioned this last week out in the back there in the narthex. So feel free to stop by, especially if you're a visitor here today. If you'd like to learn more about what's going on here at Church of the Palms, information is there and a friendly face to answer any questions that you might have. So feel free to join us there or underneath the tree where there'll be opportunities for you to sign up for uh, ministry here at uh, Church of the Palms. Also next Sunday will be our new members class. So if you are considering joining here at Church of the Palms, we would love to have you come and join us for that session and to learn more about our church and how you can be uh, a part of our life here together. This coming Wednesday night, we begin uh, some of our fall teaching and uh, this Wednesday at 6.30, we'll be having a new class called The Hero Effect, and we'll be learning about uh, various heroes, not only in the Bible, but uh, throughout our culture that can inspire us and help us wonder about what might be God is calling us to do in this particular chapter of our life. So we encourage you to uh, come and be a part of that experience over in the chapel reception room, 6.30, this coming Wednesday evening. Uh, if you would turn to page nine in your bulletin, I promised you this last week. Um, here's a wonderful opportunity for you to think about one of the great disciplines of the Christian life, and that is how can we respond to the concerns of the world? We get this question uh, so often here at Church of the Palms. What can we do about uh, the particular situations that we read about in the newspaper? And Presbyterian Disaster Assistance Fund is a way for you to do that. This is a way that uh, the Presbyterian Church is at work in the world, and we invite you to take a look at that opportunity, not only in this moment, but in any moment where you wonder, boy, that earthquake happened or that flood happened, and uh, I want to do something about it. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to do that. So we invite you to do that, and also to be thinking about how your contribution here at Church of the Palms is a way by which to respond, because certainly we are at work in the world, and. Uh, coming alongside our partners throughout the world. So as we continue in our uh, life together, we invite you to always be thinking of Church of the Palms in your generosity. And then lastly, we've been, uh, we've been down the last couple of days on the internet and in our emails. So if you've been trying to get a hold of us over the last couple of days, um, it's not because we don't like you, it's because we haven't gotten your email until just yesterday afternoon. So we were, we're back up and running, but we may be a couple of days in getting back to you uh, over uh, the things that you may be asking us about. So let's continue our worship through the presentation of our tithes and gifts and offerings. Oh, 
Let us pray. Many hands have touched these offering plates, O Lord. Some are calloused and rough, others are soft and tender. Some are large and others are small. We bring before you the work of these hands. In such giving, we seek to be your hands, your body, your church. Bless, O Lord, the work of our hands toward your work of reconciling the world to yourself. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who, with two hands such as ours, broke and shared the bread of life. Amen. You may be seated. And now we invite the children to come forward for the children's moment with Carol. Yep, I guess we do have... Uh, am I on here? Am I on? Okay. I wasn't sure if we were going to have many people today, but look at we got a good group. So you guys are kind of excited, I'm sure, because you got the weekend, right? A long weekend? Do, do you guys have Monday? You don't have school on Monday, right? So why? What, 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 we have, it's Labor Day, right. Okay, does anybody know what Labor Day is? What, is, what does it stand for? What does it mean? Anybody? Hmm? <laughs> Labor Day is the day that we honor people who work for a living and who work really hard. And so it's a day, day, the day that we say, thank you for doing what you do. Makes the, the world a better place. They need a day off, right? So I want, you, I want you to tell me if you can think of, think of as many jobs as you can think of. What do you got? My mom is administrator. She's an administrator, okay. Anybody else? Jobs, just what kind of jobs can you think of? Moxie, what do you got? Policeman. A policeman? Daddy? My mom is a teacher. Teacher. Sam, you got one? Stuart? Floor sweeper, McDonald's. A McDonald's, right? Working again. An accountant. An accountant? A vet. My mom helps people work at the gym. There are so many. What, Stuart? Cashier. A cashier. So there are so many jobs we could go on and on and on. And, um, one job I didn't hear, but I know is really important, is a pastor or a minister, preacher. Um, and some people kind of set that job aside because it's kind of special, right? And, um, but it's, it's really special, but it's not really any different than any other job. Did you know that every job that everybody does is a minister in their job? Yeah, yeah, so let's see. Who said, so a clerk at a store, um, like a cashier at Publix, right? Um, what kind of ministry do they have? What do they do? We're a policeman. What do you think? Make money. They do. They make money, but they go to work to make money. But do they help people? Grace, do they help people? Yeah. Your teachers. Who said policemen, right? We, they, they, they make the world a better place because they go to work and they help people in their job. So God gives us all different kinds of people with all different kinds of talents so they can do all different kinds of jobs to minister to people to make the world a better place. Isn't that cool? So I want you guys to think about when you grow up and you are thinking about what you want to be and what job you want to do, when you choose what you want to be, 
you can make that job a ministry. So you can, something to help other people. All right, let's pray. Can you pray with me? Dear God, because, you, because of you, we know that no job is unimportant. You give us all different gifts, and you enable us to minister to all different types of people through the talents that we have. Some are doctors, some are clerks and lawyers, and some are mailmen and garbage men and grocery clerks, but we all have a job to do. Thank you for those who work so hard to make life better for us. Amen. Well, one thing we know for sure is ministers work one day a week. <laughs> and get four guys to bring them the money. <laughs> I did have a guy come into my office once and ask me, so what do you do the other six days a week? <laughs> Good question. Our scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter, eight, uh, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Hear the word of God. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we ask, O oh Lord, that you will allow these words to come to be the vessel of your Holy Spirit such that they would truly point to the word just read and to the word made flesh, the one we know as Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name, amen. Some of you may have heard me tell the story that comes from the annals of being the youngest of four boys. I just want you to know that there is a special place in heaven for the youngest of four boys, otherwise known as the little punk brother. This is the story of the time when I was about six or seven years old and I was given over to the care of my oldest brother while my parents went out for the night. It's always an experience when you put a little brother under the care of an older brother an evening fraught with all sorts of potential, none of it good for the younger one. 
My parents had left my brother, who I think was around a junior in high school, he's 11 years older than me, with the specific instructions not to leave the house and especially not to take me with him if he by chance left the house. Not sure what that meant. An instruction, of course, that he promptly disobeyed. It turned out that he had made plans earlier for a romantic rendezvous with his most recent sweetheart down at the local junior high school yard. Of course, it meant he had to take me with him, though I suspect he seriously considered locking me in the broom closet. So my brother told me that he was taking me down to George Washington Junior High School playground and that if I breathed a word of it to mom or dad, it would be the last thing I did. So we went and we got there. Trez, my brother, told me to hang out here near the playground while he went over there to meet his friend. Again, I, if I, again, he said to me, if I left this area, it would be the last thing I did. I hung around the playground while my brother went off for his little interlude, and while hanging around the playground, I decided to take my chance on the monkey bars. And it was during my effort to get across the monkey bars that I fell, fell on my arm and broke, as I learned later, my wrist. A while later, when my brother came back to claim me, he found me in tears with a throbbing and quickly swelling wrist. Problem, what is a disobedient Casanova to do? <laughs> well, of course, you cover it up. You tell your pain in the neck, little brother, that it's nothing, it will go away, it will be better in the morning, and if you tell mom or dad anything about this, it will be the last thing you do. He took me home whimpering. Later, he put me to bed with my wrist now the size of a grapefruit and with the assurance that it would be perfectly fine in the morning. And if it wasn't, I was to say nothing about the playground, the girlfriend, the monkey bars, or it would be the last thing I did. I fell asleep and woke up the next morning with now a watermelon at the end of my arm. I think I might have even tried to put a long sleeve shirt on, but to no avail, my mom detected it, and for about 90 seconds, I tried to play absolutely dumb until her threat over my not telling the truth was greater than my brother's threat over telling the truth. I spilled the beans and was taken 12 hours delayed to the emergency room. When I think of that story and my brother's management of events, it makes me think of how easily we can get ourselves into a mess. One thing leads to another, one bad choice leads to another bad choice, one white lie leads to another white lie, and before you know it, you're in a pickle. And you're not only in a pickle, but you are led to do some rather stupid things once you have now have gotten yourself into this pickle. Something gets broken, and instead of dealing with the brokenness, you put it under the covers and you hope it will be better in the morning. But there are lots of things in this world that are not all right in the morning. There are lots of things in this world where we discover that no matter what we've done to put on the covers, they don't necessarily on their own get better. The truth is the world is a broken and sinful place. Maybe to say it more accurately, we are a broken and sinful people. 
And no matter how many covers we try to put over that, and no matter how many times we might want to hope it will just sleep it off, the human condition is the human condition. We sin, writes the apostle, and we fall short of the glory of God. We get ourselves into a mess. We fail to live up to that which we would want to live up to in our lives. Will Willimon, the former dean of the chapel at Duke University, tells the story of going to give a lecture at a large church in Houston, Texas, and it was, a it was to be a lecture on sin, and he was to give it in a room that had the name of all names, the Human Potential Room. Willimon commented on particularly particular irony of delivering his lecture on sin in the human potential room. He said if any Presbyterian showed up, they'd stop the lecture and say, we know what human potential is. It's called sin. The truth is, if we were honest with ourselves, that would be the one thing we could imagine we all hold in common, this great potential to get into a mess, to sin to break and to be broken and to not be able to cover it up. It's one of the great delusions of our lives, isn't it? To break, to sin, to hurt, to deceive, to be wounded and to be broken and to think that we can somehow cover it up living in a place like Sarasota, a place we call what, paradise? You know, just another day in paradise we say, can tempt us to do our very best to make it look like we have our acts together. A scroll through Facebook and Instagram and everybody's having the time of their lives without a care in the world because everybody seems to have their stuff together. No one's posting about the job they lost or the virus they contracted or the friendship that's frayed or the F in geometry. No, it's all good, it's all good. And that means I gotta do something to make it all look good for me. But that ain't the truth, is it? It's not all good. We may pull up the covers, put on a happy face, but it isn't always all right in the morning. Now don't get me wrong, I mean, <laughs> we live I believe in a beautiful world. I am Mr. Optimism. I prefer to call the glass half full than half empty, but that doesn't mean, of course, that it isn't half empty. There is a gap in this beautiful world, and it has its pain, and it has its hurt, and it has its brokenness. It's made its way into your home, and it's made its way into mine, and that means we are official members of the human race. And if, the good, and if the good news of the gospel is going to make any sense for us at all, it has to take this reality into account. No philosophy in this world makes any sense if it doesn't take seriously the mess either that we're in or that we will create. We proclaim, wrote the Apostle Paul, we proclaim Christ crucified. 
we proclaim, says the apostle, that, that God came into the world and the human world does what the human world wants to do. It breaks and it wounds and it hurts and in the end, it even crucifies the master. God doesn't say when he comes into the world, oh, just put on a happy face. No, God puts on his own unhappy face and shows us how real God's love is. And not just how real God is, but how real God's love is. Love enters into the mess. Love redeems because love takes on our sin, our hurt, our woundedness, our brokenness. Love lives in the mess and shares it. Love gets messy. Love lets its own heart break along with everybody else's hearts breaking because that's the power of the cross. This is redemption, the Lamb of God who takes upon himself the sin of the world. And this is love, wrote another apostle, in this is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the worthy sacrifice for our sins, sent his son to live in the mess. This is some serious love. Thomas Cahill is a favorite historian of mine. He has written some provocative and popular histories of Western civilization. And he wrote years ago an article wherein he described a ministry in the church where he attends. He's a good Roman Catholic. And it's a ministry to care for children who are victims of AIDS. And he tells of how he and some of his friends from St. Malachi's Church in New York make it their regular pilgrimage to go to, of all places, Incarnation, it's called, Incarnation Children's Center, to incarnate the love of God, to do whatever they can to care for these poor little children. They, they hold them, they, they play with them, they, they read to them. Whatever the child most wants from another human being, that's what they give them. They go there because these children are victims of a mess, a messy world, an imperfect world, a broken world. These kids did not sign up for the mess. It just got handed to them when they were born and they're stuck in it. And Cahill chronicles his journey with one little boy that he calls Everett. And how for a time when he visits Everett, he reads to him. And Everett want, likes just one certain kind of book, one certain kind of children's book, and that's what this professor of history, this expert on Western civilization, does with his time with Everett. He reads him his favorite children's book. And every week when he arrives, he notices that little Everett is getting sicker and sicker until he realizes that it doesn't make any more sense to read to Everett because Everett can't keep his eyes open. The only thing it makes sense now to do is to hold Everett, to crawl into bed and hold this little boy, just hold him, just hold him, until finally Everett, little Everett stops breathing. Love is serious. 
love can be messy. And isn't that what we see with Jesus hanging on the cross, some serious, messy love? See what the messy world can do, God says. See the, hin- the sin, the hurt, the wounds. But that's not all we see because we also see, we see God with skin on, right? We, we see some serious love going on on the cross. We see, we see love that takes your life and my life and your mess and my mess also very seriously. We see redemptive love. And I suppose that's what makes this meal so very different. No other table talks of flesh and blood. And can you get any more real than that? Can you get any more human than that when we talk of flesh and blood? Body broken, we say, blood spilled. It may be grape juice and gluten-free to our taste, but to our souls, oh, this is serious because if the world is going to make any sense for us, if God is going to make any sense for us, it has to be messy. It has to be broken. It's got to sit us in love's lap and hold us and take on our broken souls and in that love redeem us It's got to say to this messy world, Father, forgive them, (laughs) for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know how messed up they are. They don't know that they can't cover it up. They don't know that it's not necessarily going to be better in the morning. And without waiting for us to do anything about it, Love just loves. Love redeems. Love holds on. Love never lets go. And there is nothing else that makes any more sense than that.
If it's possible that there is something in your life that is not quite right, if it's possible that there is somewhere in your past a regret, it's possible that there is something in your life where you wished it could be different, it's possible that there is a part of your life of which you are not proud. If there's a part of your life over which you hold great shame. You especially are invited to come to this table of flesh and blood. For there is where God meets us in our brokenness, in our regret, in our sin, in our wounds, in our yearning to be made whole again. You especially are invited to come and hear from the master that you are forgiven, you are loved, you will always be held you will never be let go. Friends, this is the table of grace and mercy, the table of forgiveness and love. All are invited, all are invited to come to this table because perhaps it is at this table where we become most human of all and where we perhaps find once again the embrace of our loving God. Hear the words of the institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ as they are delivered by the Apostle Paul. I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the same night in which he was betrayed, our Lord took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. And when you eat of this, remember me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When you drink of this, remember me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember the Lord's death until he comes again and he will come again. Let us pray. We bless you, O Lord, that you love us so much, that you forgive us, that you enter into those deep, dark cracks in our life, those places that we'd like to cover up, those places that we hope will just kind of go away on their own. You enter deep there and find where we are the most human and you love us there. We ask, O oh Lord, that we may, as we come to this table, find here not just bread and juice, but that we would find here flesh and blood. We would find here the great signs of your kingdom. We would find here how much you so desperately love us.
and that we may find once again grace and forgiveness. We bless you, O Lord, because you yearn to bless us through your Holy Spirit and through the love of the one we know as Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Lord took bread.
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. For surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. After supper, Jesus took the cup.
Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. I am the bread of life, says the Lord. Those who come to me shall never hunger. Those who believe in me shall never thirst. Those who come to me I will in no way cast out. For blessed are those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Let us pray. Holy and loving Father, we give you thanks and praise that when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Living and dying, he declared your love, gave us grace, and opened the gate of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. May we who drink his cup bring life to others. May we whom the Spirit lights be salt and light to the world. Keep us in this hope that we have, so we and all your children shall be free, and the whole earth live to praise your name. Amen.
Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen.